to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed. Indeed it is. It is a science thing. It's a science place. It's a scientific fact. They were all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Thanks so much for listening to it. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, whatever. Uh, Trevor Dunn. Tonight, today, soon. Uh, the incredible Trevor Dunn. He has a new thing, Sperm Church. <laughs> sperm Church. Of course, also uh, Mr. Bungle, Phantomus, uh, Buzzo's uh, solo record. You know, Nels Klein, the trio convulsant. Um, gosh, the guy's done so much awesome stuff. It's it's uh, a Tomahawk. Very excited to talk to him. Uh, I'm going to do this spiel thing here. I've started doing this. Because it's a thing other shows do. Because people stop immediately when the person they want to hear from is done talking. So here we go. Kona Neutron's Proton Reversal is a long-running podcast about music and musicians. This is episode 267. If this is your first time listening to the show, all of the archives are at ProtonicReversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show or get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash protonicreversal. If you do like the show, or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show, and it's just a darn nice thing to do. Trevor Dunn, welcome back, man. It's It's been a bit. I think it's been almost, uh, it's actually been a bit over a year, I think, since, uh, yeah, since the yeah, last Yeah, man, time. I missed you. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> you never call me. We never talk. <laughs> I mean, I think I think at the, at the time, the album that you did with Buzz was sort of, there, there, were, there were like tentative plans falling apart to redo those dates, and that was finally like hitting the, the world at large, just to show how far we have come in the past year or so exactly yeah i mean there was a moment where we we're like oh wait is this tour gonna happen oh yeah. maybe you know maybe we'll we won't just we won't do the first week and see what happens and then how about now we cancel the second week and then you know before we knew it's like oh yeah it's a total shit show <laughs> yeah i mean do you, do you remember how it was where it's like oh man we're gonna everything's gonna shut down for three weeks or whatever and it's like, yeah it was <laughs> it's weird to like re think that mindset that like what a big deal that was i mean yeah. can you imagine if someone said hey you're gonna be shut down for over a year and a half like everyone would have i mean i don't know maybe maybe they maybe they 
knew that already and just kind of you know knew that we like the general public would have flipped out if anyone would have said yeah. that you know um but you know like anything you you get used to it and then it becomes easier i mean that you know that great segue by the way into weird music because uh, yeah. it's like <laughs> you know say, you kept busy you know, <laughs> most people are you know they hear something weird and like oh my god i don't like that i can't deal with it it's too weird but if you know if you give it time if you sit with it it becomes familiar like anything then you're like oh i recognize this now this is something you know that i can deal with you know um same with like fucking racism or whatever it's like you know if you're if you're all of a sudden you have to you know look at someone and you're not used to looking at the way that person appears you know it's gonna you're afraid you're mo it's human nature to be it's to different. be standoffish yeah. about something that you're not familiar with so spend some time with shit that's my advice <laughs> well and you, you know that's uh that, that's quite the segue by the way uh, the uh <laughs> throughout throughout your whole career you've kind of been at the vanguard you know of doing just whatever wherever your compass took you right so so it's like not necessarily worrying about what came before or hey are people going to get this or are people going to be into this or whatever it's just sort of well here it is you know welcome aboard yeah, everyone I, on uh, yeah you know um you know i do what i want you know so <laughs> it's like i mean you can't it i mean i've said this multiple times over the years like you, I, I mean it's and it's such a cliche but you can't please everyone so you know like it doesn't matter what i do i could put out the most pop record right now i could put out the weirdest thing someone's going to talk shit about it someone's going to be like this is not nope yeah <laughs> yeah you know and it so it doesn't matter like why even worry about it and i have to i have to stop myself from you know reading reviews or reading comments and shit because you know you know that shit you know is a, is effective when people say something negative it's you know it affects me i can't i'm not going to deny that and i have to not get drawn into that because it's it's a fucking bummer you know people are just and i do it too i'm guilty of it too i'm guilty of talking shit and being negative and all that stuff but um but you know that you know as an artist if you make something and one person says something bad about it says like oh this is boring you know yeah. like oh my god wow is it boring shit and then i then my fucking mind starts spinning like why is it boring why didn't i please everyone with this yeah. record you know? <laughs> yeah a thousand people <laughs> love it or lavishing with praise and you don't even hear them but one guy was boring and you're like, no. exactly. I'm like, oh my god, I'm a failure. Like, <laughs> which is weird. And I'm sure there's like a psychological term for that or something along those lines. But I, I know. Uh, let's yeah. say that, that hits a yeah. little too close to home sometimes, and I'm trying to be better about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and so you know, words are powerful. So I, I definitely have to watch myself because I, you know, I do shit like that all the time. And um, you know, it's it's it gets a you know to to say something negative and to be talk shit about someone and be you know in a in a witty way it gets a laugh and people respond to it and you know makes me feel good about myself you know because <laughs> right. like, yeah. like ah, I'm so clever yeah, on again, you know? <laughs> yeah look at me shitting on you know Slipknot and nine and uh, uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers or whoever the fuck you know it's like yeah you know everyone's got fucking problems you know I should people should lay off i should lay off it's also just really easy to tear things down too and and, and i in i know for myself that it, life became easier for me when i kind of sort of adopting the well you know what that's not for me 
and like and I left it at that. Yeah. And I didn't have yeah, to yeah. rip it apart, even though it, I knew I could. I was like, that's not right. Good. It might be for someone else, but it's not for me. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's like food. It's like I I I can't stand pineapple. I don't have any reason for not liking pineapple right. except I just cannot stand the flavor, you know? Yeah. And it like it seriously makes me gag. And and I like all kinds of fruit. I like all kinds of tropical fruit, but pineapple is I find disgusting but i'm not gonna go out and like talk shit about pineapple and try to eradicate it yeah, you know, here's my anti-pineapple blog like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly do you get people still being like well but have you tried it in blah 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 like, like <laughs> pineapple yeah, evangelism it, put it, yeah yes i've had it like it's fucking gross i yeah, don't want not, it <laughs> it's not for you turns out it's not for you as it turns out yeah. not for me <laughs> <laughs> well and i think that um Having nothing to do with pineapple, but 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 I think that it's it it's notable that you've always kind of been a dude that builds your own worlds. And, and last time I talked to you, I believe you were you were hanging in Humboldt, and uh, uh, you know it just occurred to me. And since then, I've also had uh, Trey on, and we uh, talked about the raging wrath of the Easter Bunny and, and all that stuff, which I would like to get your take on as well. But it's important, I think, to note that. For a place like Humboldt, which I always liked a lot, but it's sort of just far enough away from everywhere else that kind of you sort of have to do your own thing. You don't, you know, it's it's just a pain in the ass to get to the Bay Area. Like it's just long enough that you're like, wow, that's long. Rather yeah. than, <laughs> rather yeah. than like you know, I'll do I mean, a short Trey trip. probably talked about this. You know, when I mean, there were there were a couple of record stores and some bands would come play in town, but you know, if we wanted to go see a big show or like do some serious record shopping, we'd have to drive five hours down to San Francisco, which we did all the time. But, um, you know, uh, we were lucky when, you know, I mean, some really important bands actually came and played the university yeah. there or played in, and there was a, a couple of uh, venues where, where people would, you know, if they happen to be going up that route on the coast, um, to get to Portland or whatever, you know, and they would stop and play in Eureka. I mean, a lot of bands would probably play the Bay area and then take the, interstate five all the way up and bypass everything yeah. and go straight to, you know so which was you know makes sense but um i mean fishbone was one of those bands they played humboldt all the time and every time they came we were there you know and sometimes so, it's just you get sick of looking at that same route like oh hey let's go see some redwoods let's see something different you know yeah <laughs> yeah and if you have the patience to get up there i mean it's it's not you know it's it's not a super easy drive you know and um of course, now you gotta, you know, you gotta drive through like Murder Mountain and yeah. like <laughs> Bigfoot and fucking meth heads. <laughs> well, Tropic, tropical Fuckstorm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They they came and, and played the U.S. before uh, in the before times, and they made a special point of playing Eureka, uh, or maybe uh, it was Arcade. I can't remember, but. Um, yeah, yeah specifically so they could see murder mountain where I'm like, you guys are the best kind of nerds. I, I appreciate right, that about you. Right. Which, which you can't be I careful. Mean, I was like, be careful. Yeah. The thing about murder mountain, which actually the people who live there, I, I believe I've heard like hate that name, but I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, how would I mean, you? But, uh, you, that, that's like an offshoot from, like it's real it's literally in the middle of nowhere because you're you're yeah. driving up to humboldt on the on the coast on this kind of windy road and you get to the, this area where it kind of opens up and there's a small town in southern humboldt county you got to find this other highway and then drive up this mountain 12 miles yeah. like that 
you're not just going to stumble upon that you're, place. You're not you know? just, yeah, you're not just accidentally stopping by. Yeah, and if oh, you do, hey, hmm. you're going to get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's where the name comes in. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, it just occurred to me, you know, and it has in the past, too, of just how it being, like, somewhat isolated in that way also allows some freedom for you to just create your own world. Right. And it seems like that's certainly what you guys were up to just by necessity. Like you, you, t- I guess, I, yeah, I guess freedom and also just kind of, you know, like not knowing what was like cool and what was what we were supposed to be doing. You know, yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I remember in high school, some kid from L.A. It's, anytime someone from L.A. moved and we knew about I was like, oh, yeah, they're from L.A. We immediately had attitude about it. They're like, <laughs> they're like, oh, oh, they're from L.A. Oh, oh, oh. Johnny <laughs> Big Time over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> made no sense at all. But, you know, um, we just, you know, we had attitude because we assumed other people had attitude, you know. And um, I remember once this this uh, this is probably when I was when I was a senior in high school and, you know, I was a metalhead. I had hair down to here, you know, and and this this punk kid came you know came to school and he had a like a you know serious mohawk and he was more you know he he was the real deal he was like we were i remember we were kind of standing back like oh my god that guy you know like look at him he's fucking scary and then you know he got beat up by a bunch of metalheads because the metalheads didn't like punks you know and and um and then he like left i think he probably moved out of there he's one of those kids that was like you know could never fit in and you know it's it's sad if you think about it but he was a serious individual you know so um uh but you know i mean i don't know i guess i'm uh, going off on a tangent but it's like even there there was like a protocol of how you're supposed to be you know and and what's cool and we didn't since we didn't live in a real city you know uh in in san francisco or any you know a bigger city it's like we didn't everyone just kind of made it up there you know and like for better or for worse, I mean, and that's exactly, yeah. And yeah. you, you like to, I think now the sort of freaks, nerds, and weirdos. There's more affinity to hang out and congregate together, even if your particular predilection isn't the same thing. Totally, totally. But there totally. was this kind yeah. of like, no, punks versus metalheads. No, that's wrong. That's wrong music to like. You know, you can't yeah, like. Yeah, was, and I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's totally. It, I mean, it didn't make sense to us. We were, you know, we were like, wait, this is music is aggressive and fast. We like that too, yeah. you know, like, and we were friends with some skaters and, you know, a bunch of weirdos. And, but, uh, I mean, the metalhead, when I was in the eight, late 80s in high school, the metalheads were mostly probably stoners, you know, and, and, um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was. I don't know why it was such a cultural difference. It was so. It's so weird to think about. In it retrospect, now, but... it seems really bizarre, right? I mean, it's really yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're wearing the wrong pants, so fuck you. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, there's always like everybody could agree on Motorhead. Everybody could agree on Slayer. But other than that, like you know, most, for the most part, it's like it's like no, like you stay on yeah. your side over there. <laughs> yeah, JFK. You know. The descendants. <laughs> Fuck yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Just these incredibly arbitrary distinctions that no young person understands yeah. whatsoever. Like, and then there were the goth about? kids who were into like Depeche Mode and yeah. like Sisters of Mercy and shit, and were like, you know, nobody fucking touched those guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, and and and, and the reason I I'm, I find that so interesting is because I think that when you talk about someone, because I mean you're a very iconoclastic musician, you have your own voice, you have your own uh, charted course, whether it makes sense to anyone else or not, and I think that situations like that tend to tend to uh, provide opportunities for people to take take that initiative and sort of like carve those pathways in their in their in their brain because it's again what else are you going to do right yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah i mean like you said you know um it was for better for worse people making up their own thing and it's like i mean most a lot of people up there it was for worse you know they're they were it's you know it's kind of somewhat impoverished part of the country like a million other places and you know people get bored they get into drugs they get into crime whatever the fuck you know and and so you know, to put that energy into a band and a writing weird music and, and weird lyrics and shit, it was like, thank God we did that. I mean, I don't know, you know, I I can't imagine doing it another way. I think I was, at, at, when I was a kid, I was too scared to take drugs or drink even, you know? So, <laughs> you know, I was just like, oh my God, my it's, my parents won't let me. So I, that means I really can't do it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, I, I got if, to see my parents do pretty much all of it, but heroin because I had hippie parents, so I was like, "Yeah, that's not very rebellious." I don't think. I think that that's that's not right, really right. my deal. <laughs> Which, yeah, 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 yeah. But in the oh, same well, result, right? Cool it just like slave to a chemical. <laughs> yeah, like it just that I wasn't into that, and and you know, not I everyone it, has I that. Sit my yeah. Caffeine. I was gonna say, as we both sit here with our coffee, exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Drugs are terrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm all natural, man. Fuck drugs. Ooh, this caffeine is delicious. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I should get. I wish I had an espresso shot in this. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Why can't I just inject this? Why does it taste like? Why does it have to taste like coffee? But did, did you did you have an idea? Like at the time, like when Bungle was coming together, and, and you're doing the stuff that. Um, yeah, the more thrashier kind of stuff that you get. You guys later <laughs> re-recorded, and I love that the album has demo in the name, "Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny" demo. I think that's incredibly clever. That's great. That was that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, um, yeah, a, yeah. A, as an aside, but did you have an idea that like I was like, oh, this is this is crazy and different, or was it just you guys doing your best effort for like, hey, let's put out something that like kills. Let's just freaking let's let's put together these songs that are just on par with all this stuff that we love doing it and, and do it as hard as we can. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, it was definitely like genuine and heartfelt and, you know, we were, you know, that band, Mr. Bungle came together pretty quickly actually, because we'd all been playing music in different bands and different, you know, um, I, I it all just kind of came to this head. And when uh, me and Mike had been playing in a couple bands for a while and then we met Trey like let's get together and that you know that was right around the time when you know like it was right before rain and blood came out we were all listening to ride the lightning you know and and like you know uh uh all kinds of metal from all over the you know merciful fate and and um whatever and uh so when we first got together, we're like, hey, let's just jam on the stuff that we all like, you know. Um, and then immediately, I mean, we'd all been kind of writing stuff at that point, too. So then immediately we just started writing those songs. Um, and it was it was just I think we were just trying to be a metal band. You know, we're trying to emulate all these things that we liked and um, and, you know, do it as good as we could, you know, that we were capable of, you know. So, um and if there were anything that was like unique about it, it's because we were listening to all kinds of stuff that we like yeah. the influences were already like 
massive, you know? Um, I mean, Trey's talked about how much he was into Devo and I mean, he and I met in a music theory class, you know, we were studying like, you know, we're studying like Stravinsky and shit, you know, and like, like, Oh wait, how can I incorporate this, these like harmony tricks into metal, you know, and, um, learning how to play jazz, you know, we had a couple of really encouraging teachers, which was always, which was always a positive thing, you know? And so, yeah, we were just trying to like, Hey, let's do this our own way. I mean, I don't think we were, we never imagined 30 years later, we'd be <laughs> coming back to fucking Lombardo. And Scotty. <laughs> Scotty, yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> That'd be like a wish fulfillment fantasy at the time. I'm sure. I mean, it's probably, yeah. you know, not, not so yeah. bad when you're an adult too, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Anyway, but that, that's like a full circle. I, yeah. And I love that. That's like a full circle kind of thing. Right. Of, of just like starting off with, with these inauspicious, uh, pseudo corn dog sort of beginnings and then ending up with this this you know taking that to like it's fully most actualized uh Absolutely. Ca- you know caveman brought to the future and given cybernetic implants <laughs> sort of level <laughs> that's a good analogy yeah <laughs> definitely caveman yeah <laughs> <laughs> well but there's still but but with all that stuff there's still hints and embers of what would uh what that band would do later and the fact that it is, it is you know it, it is it's a thrash record i would say which is great because there's you know how many thrash records are there don't write me a thrash record people i don't actually care. <laughs> uh, well the thrash purists have something to say yeah, about I'm it i'm but, sure you know, they do I, that's good those, <laughs> those are the same guys who are like smoking cigarettes on in the middle in the in the middle of campus on the with their knees up on the picnic table you know and like throwing apples at the punk rockers <laughs> sitting there arguing what albums are or are not thrash yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all-time greatest metal album no fuck you it's not that one it's this one like, yeah, yeah you're okay. wrong that's, that's so that's so such an important uh statistic to like have in your brain. Like, jesus really excellent use of time yes uh but the make sure i get like all the, the three different colored vinyls and the uh, you know the cassette and the dvd and the videotape and you know blah blah, blah. anyway <laughs> wax cylinder don't forget the wax cylinder that was a limited run so. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh but yeah like it has it has the embers of everything that you guys would would do after which is to say that uh, to the casual listener that maybe is not coming in form from like a you know music theory place or whatever along those lines maybe they'd be like wow something something's different about this like what what is different here and it's like oh well you have all these guys that are basically exploding with creativity but they're they're applying it towards a genre that for the larger more popular uh touchstones of the genre at the time wasn't exactly seen as um movement forward meaning uh, (laughs) not to say that there weren't bands that we're doing cool stuff with it, of course, but like from the like the titans of the genre, sort of like there was there was a, definitely a rule set that was was almost glorified in some ways or fetishized by some. Yeah, so yeah, you mean like then while it was happening, right? And yeah. then and then having yeah. the embers of what you guys did uh, later, which is sort of just like take the rule book, light it on fire, and you know, sh- right, sh- right, shoot it right. with a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's hard for me to like um, be objective about that, you know, about like why we, you know, for instance, the first Mr. Bungle record, like that music. I mean, it, it definitely like it didn't just all of a sudden happen. You know, yeah. we've been 
you know, you know, you've heard those other crappy demos that, you know, it's so funny. People are like, oh, man, are you guys going to, you know, re-record Battle of Chiley now? And yeah. I'm like, no, are you kidding me? That thing's <laughs> like the, some of the crappiest mu- music ever made. It's like horrible. Like there's might be two good songs in that whole, right? you know, like 90 minute demo. <laughs> and like, you know. That's how you know everyone needs to make rent and mortgage payments if you ever see that. It's like, oh, okay. They, they hit bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Talk about cash grab. Jesus. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it was that was all very experimental. And, we, you know, we were, like, writing, you know, learning how to write songs and learning how to, like, you know, em- emulate music that we liked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh and you know next thing you know we're writing songs like egg and and um uh carousel which were early songs that ended up on the first record you know and um uh so yeah i you know i mean i think we were always thinking about music compositionally like how can we you know how can we do something that's a little bit different how can we write music you know emulate music that we like but do it in our own way like hey let's let's write like stuff that's not in four four let's write something that's not a four bar phrase let's like you know make these weird changes that you know i don't know from one thing to another that we both like you know so and up up, obviously up there in humboldt county no one was stopping us (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah exactly they're like oh that's what you're up to. Oh, there's way worse things going on than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we would have been, if we would have grown up in the Bay Area, would have been like, oh, wait a minute, no, that's not funk metal, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> which, which is exactly what happened. I mean, we would go, we'd go down to San Francisco. We'd get a show with like Primus or something, or opening yeah. up with, or you know, op- or or uh, opening for, um, I don't know, Limbo Maniacs or all. There was yeah, all this this yeah. whole funk metal scene, and which we never fit into. You know, we just yeah. like. I mean, we at that time we appreciated it and we got it, but we never like fit in there anywhere. You know, we were just like this these weirdo kids. We always called ourselves a toy band. We were like, we're not a real band, we're a toy band. You mm. know, because we'd go down to San Francisco and we'd play with these real bands. You know, <laughs> and so we just we just always called ourselves a we're just a toy band. <laughs> Well, especially you know, it, there's and it's weird to think about now, but there there was there was a sort of a glory, glory period of that style of music before it just became utterly cliche, and and it was pretty daring at its time. And I feel like I didn't expect to be going on record for like funk metal uh, today, but I, I think it's it's worth mentioning because we look at everything now with what we know now, and the, there's so many. This is the part that they're gonna loop on YouTube. I, I know and it's just like. <laughs> Code of Neutron canceled over funk metal advocacy. <laughs> canceled. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I remember, I mean, you know, I, I I grew out, I feel like I grew out of Primus pretty quickly, but, you know, when they were in their heyday, you yeah. know, like stuck on this, that, that. There's EP. nothing like it. And, you know, when, when I would see them live, it was like, wow, this is something different. This is totally weird. It was actually really heavy, yeah. you know, and. Um, but it wasn't, it was, you know, it was post metal, which we all wanted because we were all tired of metal at that point. Um, and, uh, it was before, you know, any sort of new metal or, or anything, you know, it was before metal got interesting again. So I don't know, to see those bands, I mean, there was also like a lot of horrible shit. There was a lot of like 
bands with horn sections that were just trying to be like R like goofy R&B bands with like wearing funny hats and like a bunch of white dudes jumping around like idiots but um uh but anyway there was there it did have some moments <laughs> there there was some good stuff that you know through the fog of war maybe people don't remember but uh yeah <laughs> for a brief moment in time uh but yeah then and you and you guys uh, uh, Mr. Bungle, have your path. You know, you go into the, the Disco Volante stuff. It doesn't sound exactly like the self-titled. You start off with one of the most uh, <laughs> one of the most unfriendly opening tracks in the history of music, uh, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> right. Just like, get ready. Here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Hey, hey you, you like that last record, huh? This is not that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that was, uh, you know... We never, it's funny, that kind of uh, motivation and that kind of approach was not something that we spoke about like openly or, or you know, in, in, in direct terms. It was just like kind of a unspoken agreement among us. We to, For us, that was like the obvious thing to do, you know, like we all immediately agreed, like there's nowhere else that song is going to fit on this record except as the opening track. Like, yeah. so, um, and you know, I mean, I, we never, uh, I mean, I've probably talked about this before in other interviews over the years, but I remember after our, you know, we did that first record, which was a bunch of music that we'd been playing for years and been, you know, like I was saying, it evolved into that record. And, um, you know, we did our, the OU818 demo, which was all that music essentially. And, and, um, and, you know, and then we did our one tour in the US. And by the end of that, we were like so sick of that music right. that we didn't know what to do anymore. And, and suddenly we had a record deal with Warner Brothers and we're like, oh, wait a minute, we're actually, we have to make a record now. Like, we're not just a bunch of kids in a garage, you know, like, you know, it's like, oh, we have an obligation. We have a financial obligation to make a record. Yeah. And I, I remember me and Trey and Danny got together for the first time. It was probably like six months after the first tour. We'd, we'd all kind of like scattered and we're doing our own things. And then we were like, oh, maybe we should get together and like jam on some stuff, you know. And I remember us sitting in a room together, just like kind of staring at each other, like thinking like, what the fuck do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, the world's our oyster, but where do we start? You know? Yeah. And, and that was, you know, and then we, you know, eventually we just started throwing out all kinds of crazy ideas and, you know, you know, they were all, they were coming from all kinds of directions, you know, and nobody, there was never a moment where someone was like, uh, that's weird. That doesn't, that's not going to fit on this record. You know, it's like, okay, that's your song. Cool. Let's learn it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, it made for a record that because of that genre, uh, like lack, lack of genre uh, interest kind of made its own genre, you know, like, they, I, I, guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I heard bands that sound like, I was like, Oh, you guys like Disco Volante, huh? I'm not going to name any, any, any names, but it's sort of like, Oh, you're, you're okay. Yeah. I got that record too. It's good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was always, you know, I always called that record, our, our identity crisis record, you know, because like I was saying, we didn't, weren't sure what to do and that's what came out. And I was surprised. I was so surprised. I mean, I am to this day, like some of my closest people, have, closest friends, people have become musicians or whoever that I've become friends with over the years. And they tell me like, oh, man, that's the record that that's the your guys 
that's my favorite Mr. Bungle record. I'm like, what? That really? Like, because <laughs> you're thinking as like transitional, right? Like you're you're kind of you're 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 putting out stuff that you are enjoying, but it's not like you have some clear modus operandi going on or some clear articulated point of action. It's just, hey, we should probably make a record and write some songs. Yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't think I ever like. I mean, it's funny. I I haven't listened to that music in a long time. I should probably put it on and just. You know, maybe maybe I'll do one of those reaction videos with myself <laughs> and, and be like, "Whoa, what the fuck? I don't remember this." <laughs> but uh, but you know, we it wasn't um, we weren't. I don't know. I, I'm saying this in retrospect and on behalf of everyone else, but I don't feel like we were trying to make something super weird and like, mm-hmm. you know, we were just like writing songs and that's what came out. You know, and 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 again no one was stopping us you know warner brothers wasn't stopping us um they never the the greatest thing about having a major label deal with them was that they never gave a shit like they they weren't they weren't paying attention to us they they just were trying to get patent from not quitting faith no more (laughs) right well exactly and if it wasn't for stag it would it would probably qualify as one of the weirdest records ever like put out and given resources behind a major label of, of any kind yeah which is probably still one of my all-time favorite Melvin's records. Yeah, it's like. pretty. It's pretty stout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and, and I, I want to move forward as well. But I've always been kind of fascinated by the the whole like sleep thing, <clears throat> like uh, Carrie Stress in the Jaw and things along those lines. Uh, the, the sort of yeah. The, the first parts on the first record, and then the, the sort of like, the, did you have an idea as like a triptych before, or was it just something like, oh, this kind of matches that? Exactly. When I basically when I was writing stuff for Disco Volante, I, I realized, oh, there's a kind of a thread here thematically. Um, and then I thought and then I realized that it's like, oh, wait, this actually like goes with uh, 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 slowly growing deaf in a way. So I'm just going to call that part one in retrospect with that, you know, so, um, <laughs> you know, and it's kind of all that stuff is a, sort of about like. Uh, uh, the way we physically deal with things, you know, yeah. um, you know, emotions, essentially. I mean, I didn't, you know, I don't know. It's it's really, it's a lot easier for me to retrospectively analyze that stuff now and be like, oh, this is what, I, you know, it wasn't like I sat down and thought like, I'm going to write a trilogy <laughs> about how the human body deals with emotional trauma or whatever the fuck, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's... <laughs> Just like, I mean, that's the fun part about creating shit about you know is like you can you create and then you stand back and say like oh this is what that means you know yeah and and since i made it i can tell you what it means and like you know (laughs) i don't know anyone anyone can figure out what i mean can can come up with their own meaning really but you know imbue meaning into it find something maybe and maybe it's cool maybe it's gonna be something you didn't think of and like oh that's cool Yeah, totally, I definitely totally. meant that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take credit yeah. for it after the fact. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly what I meant. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I meant that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, uh, and I, I want to I want to get into uh, starting a little bit with collaborations because we are we are going to talk about Sperm Church eventually, uh, cool. but <laughs> but I think it's so fascinating. I think as a as a record. And this is a fully conceived entity. I just, I think California is so interesting and so cool. And weirdly, I realize I've talked to Trey about this twice, but I've never talked to you about it. So, so California, can you, can you tell us a little bit about the, the sprawling opus of California and 
you know, where, where, where were you at at that time? Where was Bungle? Like, how did the conception of that come to be? I, I think our, the, our, those three, our first three records, you know, as, as a, like a triptych or whatever you want to call it, um, really, um, and you know, uh, what do you call it really capture the, the growth and the development of the band, like as a band and as individuals and what was going on in our lives and stuff, you know, like I say in the first record, it was, you know, we were, came out of us being a garage band and getting together, you know, in my, you know, in my bedroom and like jamming on stuff and writing stuff together. And then, and then, then we had this identity crisis and everyone was like, we moved to San Francisco and we lived in a big city and we're like, going to more shows and buying more records and having just been flooded with information, you know, absorbing as much as we possibly could, like individually, you know? Um, and then I think for California, it, the separation was going even further. And that's when we started basically like record making demos ourselves. Like all three of us would sit at home, make demos of songs and then, pass them around to each other and like here i'm working on this song i think it needs a bridge you know or here's here's a song that's totally finished like you know um maybe you could write lyrics for it or you know usually what i did was like i would write i'd finish a whole tune i'd write the lyrics and, and be like here's the tune you know learn it um so and again in some weird unspoken magic that was mr bungle we 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 none of us talked about the style or anything it just so happened that we all started writing these kind of melodic uh you know more traditional for lack of a better word like songs you know um that was you know that just happened um and uh and then you know i mean there's a couple songs there's probably like three or four songs that that never either got fully written or uh, there's a couple that we actually recorded that didn't make it on the record. And there was some that we were working on that just kind of like, as the record was coming together, they kind of got tossed out. They were like, ah, oh, this is, maybe doesn't fit anymore. Trey, Trey had this song called, uh, it was it, the working title was like ABBA or something. It was just very like sort of disco-y ABBA-esque song. Um, it was great, great tune. I don't know if he ever did anything with it, but, um, you know, that was one that was in the running for the record, you know, and, um, I had a, a one song that was kind of this weird, I don't even know what you call it. I mean, it, it kind of fit into the record, but there wasn't room for it. So it just, it, you know, it didn't hold up. And, um, anyway, they were all, they were all had something in common, this <clears throat> melodic song form, you know, <clears throat> it's almost like when ZZ Top took a break and then they came back and Billy Gibbons and Dusty Hill had independently decided to grow out beards. And, they came, <laughs> and it's like, Oh, you did that. Oh, okay, cool. Right on. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're on the same page. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> How do you, when you, okay. So I think retro vertigo is a stellar tune. Like I think it like, like an alternate universe, huge hit. Like, Thank how, you. I, I think like my intention with that song was to make a radio hit, you know, yeah. like I'm going to write a song that's going to that like, I, you know, we're on a major label. We actually have some attention now. Like, why can't I write a song that's going to make it on the radio? You know, and I mean, in ret in retrospect, of, <laughs> I keep using that word, but uh, of retro vertigo, like, <clears throat> I think I think uh, musically it could have been. I mean, it's way too long for a radio hit, first of all, and it's like it, it probably 
you know, should have started with a chorus, like the intro's too long, you know, there's a lot, if I would rewrite that song now, I'd do it differently, but also the lyrics are fucking, you know, not particularly catchy or, you know, they're kind of convoluted and weird. So yeah, like, esoteric, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's the word, yeah. So, um, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I think I was, you know, trying, you know, I it, uh, OK Computer had come out just yeah, like a couple right. of years before. And I was, I remember uh, I started hearing, like, I, I was hanging around a lot of, like, jazz people at that time in San Francisco and doing jazz gigs. And I started hearing, you know, jazz people talk about that record. And I thought, oh, wow, I guess maybe I should pay attention. This apparently is, like, a good record. And I, so I bought it. And then it didn't leave my CD player for, like, three months. I just kept, I got so into that record. I listened to it you know, nonstop. And, and, uh, it's a dense and, listen. Uh, what's that? I said it's a dense listen. There's a lot to, ca- to catch on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, so retro vertigo was my sort of, uh, you know, lame attempt at trying to be Radiohead or even like heaven forbid, like Oasis or something, some shit like that, you know, who I never liked. I never liked Oasis, but, um, I do like do that how, thing. That, what a prick that those guys are, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, those, do the thing that like operates in that same world that, that that they live in, maybe. But your take on that? Well, and it's just, I mean, like when the drums come in, right? That's such a classic. Like, you know, I think of that as almost like a hard rock radio moment, but it's on this big, like, you know, just you can envision the lighters going uh, <laughs> right, along with right, that, right, right, yeah, power ballad, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, power ballad. Thank and you. And I mean, I have to say, in terms of the songwriting, like I sat, I I got a. I bought a Fender Rhodes, which I still have. I uh, bought it for a hundred dollars on Craigslist or whatever. Oh my god! I, I, don't, I don't know if did Craigslist exist back then. I'm not sure. Anyway, I bought it used from some guy in my neighborhood in San Francisco for a hundred dollars. It's you know it's a little beat up. Some of the keys stick, but it's still fucking great. You know, yeah. and um, I you know was so inspired sitting down and writing on that that I I mean the the chorus was the first thing I wrote, and I literally sat down and. I'm not a great piano player, so it's like an A minor. It's all, you know, white keys, you know, <laughs> and, you know A minor, G in the bass, descending bass line, which is always catchy. I'm like, oh, here's a chorus, you know, and yeah. I'm like, wow, that took, you know, three minutes to write, you know, now I need a verse. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, some some songs, it's like you labor over them for like, you know, weeks and weeks and months and stretching to years, and it still doesn't work, and you're like, ah, really, all right. Really? I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> so it's always, it's always nice that uh, when something just shows up easy like that, and like, hey, that's good. That just, oh, that's right totally. on. <laughs> like, where did that come from? I don't know. Hell, I know, you know. Why can't that happen more often, you know? Exactly. Like, rich. <laughs> write some hits, baby. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. That's, like, really good songwriters, all those people, like, you know, who, who I mean, you know, going back in time to all the great songwriters of, of, uh, you know, in history, you know, that's what they did. And it was, it yeah. was like, they knew how to do it. And it was, it's a craft, you know, you know, even it somebody is. like, I don't know, for some reason, Linda Perry comes to mind. Cause she's written so many, Oh yeah. Like major pop songs. Like a lot of people don't even know. For like some pink stuff. and stuff. Like, like the, those, he's huge, like stadium blasters, you know? And it's like, Holy, oh. holy. She like tapped into something and then it was just like, oh, just started like belting it out. Like, you know, and I mean, yeah. that's the craft, you know? And like, she wrote a song know. with cheap trick. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's on a really good record. Uh, that, that record's actually like one of the better, like later period cheap trick records, but the, uh, 
yeah, the 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 radio or the one they attempted for radio, I should say, <laughs> of right. that one. It's and and it's and if you know that, you're like, oh, I can hear that. I can. Oh, yeah, I that's interesting. Wow how how old is Linda Perry? Do you know? Like, is she? Uh, let me consult the Oracle here. Uh... Yeah, because I'm because I'm wondering if like, like how old was she when like she's fifty six. You know, fifty. Okay, so she's a couple years older than me. So yeah, cheap trick is like she's she probably was at, at very at very minimum. I mean, everyone heard the flame. I don't really like it, but everyone heard the flame. And uh, I want yeah, you to yeah, want yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You know. But I mean, I mean, uh, you know, I want you to want me was like Budokan uh, version and Ant yeah. when I was like you know ten years old. Surrender. So, Surrender is the first one where I was like, "Oh yeah, this this is this is for me. This is great." Yeah, totally, totally. And he, they mentioned Kiss in it, which yeah. is also like <laughs> a band, a cool band talking about another cool band. What? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that that one, uh, 2006. By the way, Perfect Stranger is the name of the, is the name of that, and I think it's like the second song in. But th- that record yeah. is uh, it's called Rockford. It's really good, by the way. Just FYI. Wow. Cool. Uh, I, I, man, I haven't been paying attention, but I will because that's a cheap trick. Is to this day is I mean those first like five or six records or oh, yeah. some of them I still have them in, on vinyl the same records that I bought when I was a kid you know yeah I, I uh there's also uh um fear for the samurai rock band I think it's a bootleg uh oh. it, 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 I think it's better than Budokan personally oh wow cool so anyway this this before this turns to a cheap trick fandom podcast I guess we should get back <laughs> over to it. but yeah samurai rock band watch out for that one that, that one's amazing yeah uh, hopefully, I didn't get someone in trouble by mentioning that. I don't know. We'll see. Whatever. <laughs> You're gonna get canceled and sued, <laughs> and like Coda Neutron canceled again over cheap trick bootlegs. This, this this podcast was the worst idea you ever had. <laughs> yeah, like luckily I wait until year eight to start fucking up. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I mean, I think it's very clear. I mean, the, I think the thing I heard the most when that record came out was certain Beach Boys, but then. What I was thinking about is in terms of, you know, not like, you know, surfing girl, but like, you know, the Brian Wilson, you know, directing orchestras yeah. and shit. Like that Smile kind of and pet yeah, sounds. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those those were those were things that um, I mean, Beach Boys were one of the probably the first band I ever got into and before I even played an instrument, you know, a very catchy. Yeah. You know, I always used to sing along to those those major hits, you know, surfer girl and, yeah. you know, surfing USA, all that stuff. And then, you know, and then getting older and getting into you know, I don't know, going, getting, having my music education unfold and going to college and diving into like weird esoteric, esoteric music. And then, and then coming back around to like, oh wait, there's also like pop music that's really weird too. And that's, I think we all sort of discovered pet sounds around the same time, you know, and, and it was, people were starting to talk about it. It was kind of, I think it was probably before it got reissued or whatever. And like, wait, there's this Beach Boys record. They were all like on acid when they made it. It's amazing, you know, and or whatever the hell the the legend was, you know. Even on the quiet uh, moments, like God only knows, that's an incredible tune, you know. Like, totally, oh my god, totally, yeah. <laughs> and wouldn't it be so, nice? That was a hit. Like yeah, that was a yeah, huge yeah. hit. It's the oh, weirdest I, song. And I think for us being in San Francisco again, like being around all these record stores and and musicians and stuff like that all came into play it's like oh yeah you know you know of course the beach boys and like you know let's let's take this weirdness and roll with it you know well i made for a very unique record i mean i made for a record that's insanely catchy almost any song on there could be alternate universe hits you know yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it's crazy straight like really unique orchestration and like yeah you know even the drum it's not like necessarily like drum uh like drum beats you know it's like yeah. it's like 
like a percussion section more and w- which we and we did on uh disco volante for sure we did that you know um i think that that tune Gollum we recorded you know we did it oh, yeah. we kind of a b'd two different rhythm tracks you know and like crossfaded them and then had danny you know did fills like separately from the drum set you know and um all that kind of weird those studio tricks yeah what funk metal band's doing that you know (laughs) 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 but it shows because that's part of like what made what gave bungle a unique voice and and made you guys sound like you and then i I remember that uh was it (laughs) Was that the snow? That record was about when you guys did the snowcore thing, right? Is that is that am I am I getting mixed up the timelines here? I'm going by. Memory, no, that, so. I mean that was well, yeah, California. It was it was snowcore was our last U.S. tour on the yeah. California record, um, which was such a weird thing. I mean, you know, <laughs> it seemed you know, I, I remember we got that <laughs> offer. And it, it, financially, it was like okay. It was it wasn't bad. It was you know. And but we'd been we'd already toured a bunch. We toured the U.S. Yeah. a couple times. It was the most we'd ever toured a record, you know. Um, and uh, and I remember we got that offer, and I was like, no, no, no. I I was the last holdout. I was like, I don't want to do. Everyone was like, yeah, we're down. Let's do it. And I was like, no, fuck this. Like we we have nothing to do with those bands. Why would we like put ourselves like third on a on a on the bill you know and you know and finally i caved i'm like okay let's do it and then that's when we're like okay we we're gonna have to fuck with these people we we better dress up like the village people and talk about how gay we are (laughs) (laughs) well i mean did you find that was was there common cause with you know them being fellow musicians like were you hanging out with like members of incubus and like system a of little down and- a little bit actually you know the guys in system of a down were most of them were really cool um you know we got to know shavo the bass player and and um and uh surge and uh, incubus not so much we didn't really hang out with them so much but um i mean it, it was funny it was a little bit a little bit of hanging but we were you know um so out of our realm in it's, terms yeah. of again we were the toy band even though we were the grandpas of that tour we were still a toy band i remember once uh you know we our bus we we were actually it was the first time we toured the u.s in a bus and um it, you know it's like we it, i think we initially opposed that as well we just wanted to show up at these stadiums in our little van like eh, okay let's unload our own gear you <laughs> hey know boys, and set our own how you doing fellas you know? yeah exactly <laughs> we, didn't even have a, we didn't have a crew we had like two guys on our crew or something you know yeah and um we our bus was in the back lounge there was a video game and we we're constantly playing video games we used to play um crazy taxi oh yeah that was a, that was a mainstay <laughs> of the studio yeah, yeah i remember that one well <laughs> we were obsessed with that game and you know it was great because you didn't even have to know how to play you just drive this car like smash into everything just be really irresponsible yeah that's the only yeah yeah and and um (laughs) pre-grand theft auto even you know (laughs) oh yeah you better you better uh pick someone up before you run out of time yeah you gotta pick someone up before you run out of time that you know you know we quoting that all the time anyway that was that was the party scene of our bus and then i remember one time system of down after show we're like hey man you know come hang out on our bus and so we're like okay cool after the show we go back there go onto their bus and it was like packed with people it was like 
you know, uh, and the bus is where you sleep. You yeah, know? Say, like, it sounds terrible. Bunk, so your your personal <laughs> bedroom is there. Your yeah, little coffin. Yeah. Your, you know, I had my little suitcase and my clothes and, you know, my book that I was reading, whatever the fuck. But, you know, on their bus, it was like just like packed with, you know, it's like girls and people doing drugs and stuff. And I was and I remember walking onto the bus. I'm like, this is awful. This is like <laughs> I, I would never want this on my bus. Like, you know, right. I think I. I like crammed in there for five minutes. I'm like, this is the worst experience ever. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> like going back <laughs> to play crazy taxi. Yeah. As I, as I, say, I guess it depends on your personality type, but to me, I'm also like, that sounds like a nightmare without a dream. That sounds horrible. Yeah. 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 It was just not our scene, you know? Um, so, uh, you know, we were taking the piss out of those, all those guys all the time. And I, there was a couple of times we, I think we got caught, but, um, but <laughs> no, it was all in good fun, you know? Right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you invite the merry pranksters along, you're going to get merry pranked, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So, and I, I feel like uh, in the, in the timeline as an outsider to your work, I feel like after California is when you started in just supernova of collaborations and, uh, cool different things. W- w- did you have an idea towards like, hey, I'm gonna really open this up and and, and try new, just try new stuff out, or was it just a natural outgrowth of things that have been happening all along that you suddenly had time for? I would say the latter. Yeah, I think you know. Again, it wasn't. There weren't. Uh, sorry, I kind of spaced for a minute. You were talking about getting like writing for California. Yeah, writing for California, but then afterwards you have like collaborations with you know you do the, this stuff with Zorn. Um, oh yeah, you, know, you start doing Phantomos. You start doing like some of the the jazz kind of stuff. Um, I know. mean, for you, me, when I I first moved to San Francisco in '92, and that was the same year that we did our first tour in the U.S. on our first record. Yeah, uh, and I immediately. Like as soon as I got back from that tour, we did a one tour and as soon as I got back, I started like diving into trying to make a living being a musician and playing, you know, sure. I was at, literally going, walking into hotel room, uh, hotel lobbies where solo pianists were playing and being like, Hey, I'm a bass player. I'm in town. I made cards, you know, business cards, with oh, my wow. phone number. I'm like, I'm trying to get work. And uh, of course everyone's like, Oh, new bass player in town, you know, and like going right. to jam session, like the jazz thing was was there you know you know that's how i you know survived and and um and then you know after the you know the first bungle record i'm you know meeting zorn he immediately started hiring me for stuff and and Patton and trey as well and so all that yeah all that was just kind of natural you know um um and you know i mean and then phantomos was you know Patton's baby obviously and and that just you know, for us, it was like I, he and I had had this conversation once about like, oh, man, yeah, I kind of miss playing metal. We should start a metal right. band again, you know, and and um, and then he all of a sudden he had this uh, demo of the 30 p- pieces for Phantom. I was like, Jesus, man, you weren't sleeping on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and it seemed it, it seemed natural to me at the time because I remember se- <laughs> I remember going to a show at the Tip Top in San Francisco that Melt Banana played at. Uh, oh God! At, tip top. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, Broadway? It was um, right off of Market, uh, like right, right, um, right where it hits Cesar Chavez uh, right, 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 Army. Okay. Uh, I think it was a tip top. I'm hopefully I'm not mixing my stories, but anyway, point of fact. It was a, it was a small place. Small place. Yeah, and yeah, Mel, yeah. and Melt Banana yeah. played and. Let's let's go ahead and say that it was it was it was not a packed audience. Uh, but. Yeah. 
But Patton yeah. was there, and then like you know, not not too much later, like I I heard the Phantom of stuff, and I was like, oh, sure, yeah. yeah, it's it's like you know, milk banana attitude with like weird like metal like just bratty kind of compositions that just kind of get in and get the yeah, fuck out. Yeah, yeah, Hi- hyper ADD and yeah, I mean exactly. that's a good I way to put Patton it. Comic was, book, comic book stuff. I think more than I think more than anyone in Bungle, I think Patton was really influenced by Zorn and his kind of yeah. cut and paste style, you know, and um and um like just like writing in blocks, writing like here's an idea, here's another idea, you know. Um Trey and I I think less so, but um but uh yeah, so all that was coming together, you know. And of course, Mel Banana, you know, that was a band that we I I don't know who saw them first, if it was Trey or Patton, but you know, they were like, "Oh, we should tour with these guys. Like yeah. we should have them bring cuz we always when we did tours, we wanted bands that we liked, you know. We wanted to see bands that we liked. And so that's why Dillinger Escape Plan was, you know, tour we toured with them and whoever, you know. So. Well, you want to make it interesting for yourself as well. And then also, you know, not to put a fine point on it, but a lot of times when you're a band that has some notoriety, you can platform a band to kind of be exposed to an audience that even if 20% of yeah. it doing the like, hey, you're in the way of my favorite band and I'm not going to listen to this, uh, yeah. you know, like you're by, by just a war of attrition, you're going to pick up new people. They're going to uh, pick up what you're throwing down, which is nice. Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel like it should work. You know, weirdos help yeah. weirdos or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The so, punks and the metalheads unite. Exactly. <laughs> this is tying it all back in. So did you have a, did, uh, what did Mike bring you? He brought you the demos like, Hey, here's the thing. Like, you know, like, you know, like this is, this is what this thing is going to be. Like how, how did that yeah, pass? Yeah, I mean, he, we, we, it's funny. I remember us talking about starting a metal band and I thought, Oh man, maybe I'll, you know, I think I went home and I sketch immediately, like got inspired and sketch out an idea for a tune or something. Yeah. And then, and we'd actually, he was friends with um, Igor from uh, the drummer from Sepultura. So that was, he was the original um, idea for the drummer. We didn't, we weren't sure who was going to play guitar or anything. And then I, you know, whatever, I got busy and forgot about it. And then uh, next thing I know, he's got this demo, which was the the demo that became the record. I mean, he, he went home and like, um, you know, I mean, it, it was super sloppy and, you know, he's not a, really a guitar player. And yeah, yeah, like, sure. Like drum machine and stuff, but the ideas were there. and, and uh, But it was a whole record. It was like, Jesus, man, like, you know, I got to learn this now. <laughs> right, right, right. Snooze you lose, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What have I been doing? $50 jazz gigs? <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was real busy. <laughs> then, so how does it come that, so, so first of all, Really, I don't know the answers to any of this, but how, how did how did Buzz come to be involved, and how did Dave come to be involved? Then I, I remember Patton was like the demo was finished. Me and you know he knew I was the bass player, and we were taught. He's like, man, who should I, who should we get? Like you know, it was kind of like the world's my oyster. And he told me that one day he was just kind of like looking at his record collection and thought like, man, who would I ideally want? You know, yeah, and like yeah. I'm gonna just pick my favorite. You know, Lombardo obviously is my favorite drummer, and like fucking the Melvins, yeah, Buzz, okay. Like, I no, you know, didn't know them at all. I had no idea oh, if wow. they'd be able to handle it or whatever. And I remember he told me that. And I'm like, I'm like, 
huh, Dave Lombardo and Buzz Osborne. Yeah, good luck with that, man. Yeah, you know, like, I, immediately it's such a Eeyore about it. I was like, it's never going to work. Those guys are never, they're never going to give you the time of day, you know, and of course, and then both of them fucking showed up and they're like, yeah, let's do this. Well, it's amazing what <laughs> like, happens when you ask, right? You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, you know, now, now that I know both those guys, like it totally makes sense. Yeah, they're both like adventurous and, you know, well, you know, they're, they're not going to say no to some weird opportunity, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's – to a certain degree, I guess one could be uh, understood if they didn't immediately think of adventurous when it comes to Slayer. But Lombardo especially, I think, has, has that has that yeah. in spades. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. I mean, also, you kind of have to put that in, the, in um, historical perspective because it's like when Slayer was first doing their thing, it was totally it's Nothing unique, like it. You know? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, yeah. yeah, they invented that shit essentially, you know, I yeah. mean, with them and a few other bands. And, and so, um, you know, it's not as uh, omnipresent as, as it, you know, it wasn't omnipresent at all, at all now. You know, I remember several years ago, I know it was probably at my mom's house or something and I turned on the TV and I mean, this was probably actually, to be honest, it was probably like 15 or 20 years ago turn on the TV and there's a car commercial with like this metal, like a fucking speed metal song. It was this? <laughs> it was like, are you kidding me? Do you know how hard it was to find music like that when right. I was a kid? Like, and now it's in a commercial? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. My how times have changed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't, I, man, I can't wait and like, until like, like noise music is is in uh, like, <laughs> Mar- like like serious harsh noise you know Marisbo like, selling insurance or something oh like, oh like Puce Mary like you know like blasting while you're trying to you know for Viagra or something we're like okay yeah. sure <laughs> or like a new Subaru Seattle's. yeah okay <laughs> yes yes I will buy that car yeah it gets you real erect you know. <laughs> like whatever the tagline I'm sure that's not the actual tagline but for me it, I feel like it ought to be like why not just call it what it is right? you should write commercials <laughs> I know yeah that'd be real successful at it I'm sure you can do that right after your podcast <laughs> exactly after I'm cancelled from this uh, so the so Phantomas uh, you know it strikes a chord in- interesting band I remember I saw you guys uh, really early on fairly early on at, at Amoeba and uh, oh. Oh, forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Got the record, I think, like that week, and I was like, "Wow, this is great! Like, this is this is real interesting." But from a logistical standpoint, those, especially that first album, those songs are so <laughs> just lightning fast. How do you even keep track of that? Are you are because you, you can't even go like, "Oh, it's one where it goes do 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 do," or it's the one that goes, bah, 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 you know. I mean, the weird thing about that band was that I mean, when when I first met Buzz and Dave, I just assumed, especially Buzz, I assumed that he read music and had some you know mm-hmm. knowledge of theory which he has absolutely none you know he's total outside outsider <laughs> artist you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Total, like as punk rock as they come and um and Patton also doesn't read music i mean we learned all that stuff by ear and i showed up there with like i had actually took Patton's demos and transcribed what oh, i thought wow. were the bass parts um which i still have i still have that music and like someday i should publish it because they're they're a fucking mess, but uh, <laughs> yeah, put it as but, like uh, liner notes for uh, the reissue or something. That would be yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, 
that helped me memorize stuff. You know, it, it helps me to write it down in, in traditional notation and then, and then, you know, try to like memorize and, and stop looking at the paper. But I mean, that first show, I was literally looking at my notes between songs like, Oh yeah. shit, this one is the one that goes like, wah, 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 you know? So, um, that was very exciting uh, to see as an audience member because it's like you know you're so used to seeing these these four guys that are just very authoritative at what they do and there definitely was like oh, what is it okay oh yeah <laughs> we were fucking scared out of our pants like we were like like this is a I I I remember we rehearsed our asses off like for that like yeah. the whole week I mean we basically were rehearsing to to record the record and then we did this show or or you know at Slim's I think that's and, right um, and uh. It reminded me of times when I had done, um, you know, played in like the like pit, you know, a pit musician in like a musical or something, which I used to do in in high school and college. You know, and I'd there'd be like a little quartet or something, and we yeah. were, you know, I'd play in like Guys and Dolls or right. the Fantastics, like <laughs> sure, shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was always there were always cuts up to the last minute, and everything was like it was super last minute, like to the day the dress rehearsal the day of the show you're like scrambling like oh man is is this going to come together like that's what phantomos felt like to me and like are we gonna are we gonna survive this gig like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it seems like everyone's like strapped to this machine that's just going and you're just like ah yeah yeah on. this might be the end for <laughs> this might be it man this is my last gig ever i'm gonna get booed off the stage I'll, no one will ever respect me again like <laughs> well but it was very exciting as as a as a audience member to watch that because it's just like you see these yeah like because like, like i've articulated before like you you see these musicians that you're just not used to seeing in that environment just like you know holy shitting their way through the entire thing but also right. comp the compositions work you know it's, you know sharp and concise as they are they work they do the thing they're yeah supposed to do. yeah and, and obviously no one was expecting anything like that and yeah. it's like wait a minute are they gonna f actually finish a song yeah. or <laughs> yeah, did that... it even start you know like was that the intro <laughs> like what <laughs> pretty, pretty. I have to say, in retro, you know, again, I'm going to use the word retrospect again. But yeah. like for Patton, I think that was a very bold uh, um, move. You know, yeah, like no, to totally. present that. Um, I mean, and that was the beginning of Ipecac Records too. He no, no one would sign that band, so he was like, "Fuck it, I'm going to put it out myself." Segue to Sperm Church and my label. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Huh? Funny you mentioned that. Formed his own label, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the exact mentality of my, I shopped Sperm Church around for like half a year. And like, you know, and I did get some positive feedback from people who have DIY labels. And they were like, yeah, yeah well, I'll put this out, but we don't have any money. So you're going to have to split the money with us. And then I was like, well, why don't I just create my own brand? You know, yeah. hopefully... I'm at a point in my career where that is, it has as much leverage as anything, you know, and, um, see what happens, you know? So, and that's of course, river worm, river, river worm records, which I'm having trouble yeah. saying the word river worm for it some reason. It doesn't exactly roll off the tongue, but you know, <laughs> it, it will, it, it'll become a household phrase eventually. I, I, <laughs> well, I mean the, the, and the, the thing about the way people consume and connect with things now is that it's easier than ever to do it which is the upside and the downside is it's easier than ever to do it so everyone else's you know and, and that's right <laughs> but right, that right. said for for a dude that's like consistently been doing cool shit for like decades like you have people that are gonna 
gonna want to engage with it. and and it's a cool record it's a weird it's a weird record you know quote unquote weird record yeah, yeah, but yeah. what i liked about it is before i even push play on the first song i was like well i don't know what this is but i bet it's gonna be interesting <laughs> that's cool yeah i mean i don't i i would never like put something out present something to the public that i wasn't behind you know sure. was like oh this is like boring and like way too esoteric i mean believe me there's plenty of stuff in my hard drive that no one's ever going to hear because i think it sucks or <laughs> it doesn't pass muster yeah, yeah like it has no you know like you know maybe i can pilfer from that and turn it into something else but you know i'm not gonna just because i finished it doesn't mean i'm gonna present it you know yeah. so um but uh and, and this so, is sperm church has been around for a bit too like it's it's like i remember there being like uh, you making some post about it, like you know, like five six years ago or something along those lines. Like this has been kind of percolating for a minute. Like you've you had the yeah, idea. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And to be honest, it wasn't an easy record to make. Um, it took a lot. Of, you know, it was a lot of back and forth between me and and uh, and Sanity, the electronic musician. And there was a lot of like trying to figure out what it was, you know. And and we didn't want. You know, I mean, we did a couple. We did a handful of gigs, and sometimes they were more improv than we had. <laughs> intended but um oh it's free jazz yeah it's free jazz now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but you know it took a lot of um like molding actually to to come up with what we ended up with so well and it's uh, it, the instrumentation alone is pretty interesting it's sort of like there are these almost like pseudo gamelon kind of like electronic elements going yeah. on and then you got you know you're doing the bass with it but then there's actual percussion too like it's there's not anything you can be like oh yeah it sounds like this you know it sounds like kiss right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> definitely does not sound like kiss <laughs> yeah 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 um like i think back, I th so honestly i think that and i just had this idea that i think it might have it might have had a better time when there was that um you know that like time period like massive attack and like Portishead and and all that stuff was was happening and everyone was really getting into Aphex Twin. I think it w I think you would have had people beating down your door then, but I think right. that's become a, a bit of an uh, I, well I should be careful what I say. That's become a bit of a niche interest, uh, and 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 it just doesn't have that like. You're you're not going to get that stuff like on mainstream radio now. Not that Aphex Twin was on mainstream radio, but I mean. Yeah, you get yeah, where I'm yeah. Going from. No, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, totally. Square um, pressure, all that stuff. Like, I'm just kind of like the anything that's got a heavy electronic element is sort of like that becomes the dominant spice in the blend for people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Sanity turned me on a lot of electronic music that I didn't know about, and that this whole world of, um, you know, it's really um, a lot of times it's it's only it's not even necessarily about music necessarily i know that sounds weird but it's all for instance there's this guy russell haswell this british electronic musician who i've seen open up for uh uh Autecker, for instance oh yeah, yeah. and uh, and his stuff is incredible i'm like really into his music and but you know he's talks about how he's um feels like he's more of an architect than or or you know i'm paraphrasing i don't but um i think he maybe talked about sculpture or something more than music like what he's doing on the computer has more to do with like putting shapes and and constructing yeah. something than it does with like you know learning an instrument and like what chord goes to what other chord you know so it's like um, putting together a puzzle or something right yeah which, which i love i love that 
concept and um you know it's totally out of my realm of it's not the way i think about music necessarily i mean it has definitely influenced me now that i've now that i know that but i mean it, it's i i love that music has it can do that you know and that's why sure. that's why i love going to noise shows i mean i mentioned puce mary that was one of the last shows i went to before the lockdown i went and saw her play at saint vitus in brooklyn and, and oh, yeah um, i love saint vitus yeah yeah, and, and man, I love that shit. Like I, you know, I can I can go. I love going to like a noise show like that, and having my head blown off, like almost literally, and having no idea what's happening, and and not and not worrying about it, not being like sitting there analyzing. Yeah, yeah, like, is this chin stroking. You know, uh, you know. Which polyrhythm like, was that? When it shifted time signatures to, you know, like you're sitting there, scientists yeah. braining it apart. Or, yeah. or even if I was into that heavy into electronics, I'm like, is that a is that a Roland SR50 that she's using? You know, I'm like, like who, who the fuck cares? I just go there. It's almost like, and it's good. You know, yeah, like walking around a botanical gardens or something. Like I have no idea what these goddamn flowers are, but they're cool looking. You know, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, the results the same, and, and that's. Yeah. Uh, you know, it makes sense because that, I mean, that's, that should be how you look at it. But I, th- I think, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but I think the, in the past, more so in the past 10 years or so, people have a, almost become fetishistic towards gear. And like, absolutely. Also, like almost at the expense of the, of the composition or the creativity where it's sort of like, yeah, the gear's cool and everything, but you know, a lot yeah. of this stuff, you know, you could, you know, <laughs> throw them something from the pawn shop and it still would sound exactly like, or close oh, enough, like like yeah, what it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the boutique pedals and like, I mean, I'm not knocking that stuff. There's, you know, it's all. No, it's great. I love it too. But I'm just. <laughs> but but I know what you mean about the fetishizing for sure. Yeah. And I think that that tends to be an element of focus for a lot of uh, the noise crowd as well. And I don't know if that's just you know like a secret language. Oh, we have our own secret language, right? And like we can talk about these modules and these things, and and no one knows. And oh, did you have the. Right, right. Just make up some name and be like, "Oh no, is that is that boutique?" You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if even if it is a secret language, I I can appreciate it. I can yeah. I like to like look around the corner and be like, "Oh wow, I I get I got to look at someone speaking a secret language." I've, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not gonna try to learn that language, but it's cool. You know. You can still yeah exactly. You can you can not know what somebody something is said in Latin and still sounds like ominous or cool. Like you know, it's like <laughs> makes sense yeah. why it's into so many horror movies where it's like. <laughs> <laughs> if you actually speak Latin, it's like that's not that interesting. Like he's not yeah, saying anything yeah. interesting. It's like, yeah. oh, it sounds rad. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, because it, it, it occurs to me that there's uh, stuff in the record that kind of almost ventures into like the trap music world, which is is certainly, um, you know, well well liked and like has an audience, but then also has like more like abstract elements to it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot yeah, of polyrhythms, yeah. so many polyrhythms. Like, there's a lot of, like, real playing around with that, like, real nuanced stuff that I think you'd pick up, especially in headphone listens and, and, and repeated listens. But, I mean, was, yeah, there, was there any was, kind of rule book for this? Was like, you know, uh, he, you know, heavily in a trap and, and the, the individual elements of trap, you know, yeah. not, not, like, thinking of it as, like, a pop tune, but, de- you know, deconstructing and being like, hey, how can I... Uh, I mean, another uh, electronic musician that she was really into was this guy, Mark Fell, another British, um, you know, uh, artist. And um, I mean, if you listen to his stuff, you'll you'll hear similarities in her style, like taking rhythm and and um, 
I mean, the, the, her sequencer is like really comp complex and the, the things, you know, she'll take like a rhythm that's got, you know, you know, all these elements to it and be able to like bend each one of them separately, but keep it in this, you know, I mean, a lot of that stuff, it sounds like it's like off the grid, but it's not, you know, it's actually, you could it, probably put a beat to a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but it almost seems jazz like in that way. In the fact that like it can go in and out and sort of like, Oh wow, that's interesting. Like in, in the point so, of like, you know, the comparisons I would make would like not match like what the, the music sounds like at all, but in the terms of it having just like, you know, the, the going in and out and kind of like, Oh wow, that's, Whoa, did that actually happen or is that like a, I'd say you're spot on with that, yeah. Like yeah. a visual like <laughs> I'm thinking of those remember when all those uh <laughs> in the nineties those 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 visual sort of optical illusions where you're supposed to find the sailboat or whatever? Uh do you, do you uh, remember, I forget what the, there was a name for those, I can't remember what they are, but that, that was like a fad for like a minute and a half. <laughs> it's, it's it's sort of it's sort of like some of this is like find the sailboat music to a certain degree. And <laughs> I'm really, I'm really appreciating with that one, but uh, what so Merdeka Ataumati is that? It's an Indonesian slogan. Is that correct? It's an Indonesian slogan. It it, it comes from the um you know the the you, you know when the Dutch were colonizing indonesia and it's it basically means live free or die you know it was like right. their rebellious you know uh motto um like we're not going to be you know uh completely colonized we're, we're going to die like maintaining our freedom so um and sano is uh half dutch half indonesian oh, so she kind of had this uh internal you know she was like the oppressed and the oppressor all in one you know? <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, depending on the day, we'll see who wins. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it was there because obviously it's a great slogan, but the 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 English translation, of course, is you know has been appropriated as has the Gazden flag by uh, knuckle dragon morons. Uh, and I said, right. now that'll definitely get me canceled. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but real hard here, man. <laughs> but but if we uh, if we think about it in terms of like I, I think of it in terms of like you know uh, creative freedom too right like you know like yeah, absolutely absolutely and yeah i i think that's where it, it um resonates for me and also the fact that the middle word which is the atu uh, which is the middle the word for or as a strike through you know it basically means live free it, that basically turns into live free and die you know i mean you don't, <laughs> you, don't you don't really get a choice you can live you can't really live free or die yeah you know? yeah you yeah can, you can live free or not, but you're going to die either way. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choose living free if those are the two options. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take living free yeah. for the eternity. Yeah. Take live free for a thousand, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'll take, I'm going to put all my money on die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the safe bet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see ROI on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so how how does this music come together are you do you get in a room to do it are you sending stuff back and forth like how it's just i i i listen to it and i like it but i'm like i have no idea how you make this like how do you make yeah this? kind of both uh, a lot of sending back and forth and and um you know a lot of trial and error a lot of trying different um you know uh yeah i don't know a lot a lot of i mean since her beats you know i mean she's essentially the drummer so yeah her beat and all that stuff is all crafted in her in her sequencer and her in laptop box. you know yeah. and so so it's all kind of recorded and all already kind of mixed to a degree you know 
there wasn't when we actually went to mix it there wasn't a lot of we didn't have to do a lot of mixing you know because it was kind of already the the composition was the mixing was in the composition you know right so um yeah i mean yeah years of sending stuff back and forth and and uh trial and error and seeing what worked and and you know um you know getting um you know she would send me something with like the like like the bare bones of it so i could really hear rhythmically what was going on and i could mess with it in whatever way and um so yeah did you find some of it more challenging than others to kind of come up with ideas for since it's so dense absolutely absolutely and also you know the role it's obviously not a traditional bass role so i was doing something that i've never done before you know I, i mean doing a lot with pedals sometimes like the second track what street is this um i mean there's bass all over that but you wouldn't know it <laughs> right but the, a lot a lot of the sweeping kind of glissando stuff is all bass that i you know is essentially like i could use any instrument but i used bass to like start a signal and then I had two loops going at once that i could twist the pitches with and um it almost turns into like a square wave or something where it's like yeah like, oh. yeah yeah exactly so um uh uh you know, I was definitely pushing my boundaries as a bass player. You know, it was like trying trying to be a you know, it's definitely the most abstract thing I've ever done. You know, well, and it's interesting because it it's something that invites nuance and repeated listens, but also for the right person could be something that you put on to like do a household task too. But then like your attention will be drawn yeah. back to it at, at repeated points, which is to say, not to say that's ambient music because it isn't, but like right, right, right. It, it can kind of just you know just just as going in and off out of time and 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 the, and the beat on the stuff yeah, kind of be yeah, just an yeah, out of attention like, what just what happened what was like, that? Did, what? did cd skip oh did i hear that right yeah what was that <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is interesting because there's not i don't feel that there well certainly not in rock music you know there's there's certainly nobody really doing that but it's sort of the personally i don't hear that too i'm sure there's whole genres of people that just do that don't write me about it i don't want to know but like yeah. <laughs> i i highly recommend checking out her website which is sanity.com uh, there's a bunch there's links to a bunch of her beats and other yeah. uh, like solo stuff that she's done and and w- what she does like rhythmically i feel I don't really feel like anyone else is doing, you know, um, she's kind of like a, like the greatest jazz drummer you can think of just like, you know, hyper, you know, whatever, like modern electronic, what, you know, but, but it's very fluid and human, you know, and, and, um, but also, uh, you know, uh, what can I say? How can I describe it? I don't know. It's also like, it's extremely mathematical too. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I think that, you know, that's something that like, uh, that I can appreciate because it's sort of like, even though the, uh, the modus operandi is not like, Oh, it, this is, uh, <laughs> this is a drummer playing. This is buddy rich. This is buddy rich. Like, you know, playing the drum set and doing the stuff. It, but it's the right. fact that it's, elect- that it's electronic is going to be a bunch of people. Oh no, that's not true. Jazz right. or whatever. <laughs> right. 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 And then there could be like electronic folks that are just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, is the, is the bass ever going to drop on this or what? Like what's like, what? Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the payoff? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, um, you know, sorry. <laughs> but, but it makes it interesting because of that. And and I think it's, it's, it's wild that this is the, like I could see where maybe some labels would like kind of not know like what to do with it. Again, I think, I think if this were to come out, 
you know, whatever, tw- uh, uh, 23 years ago or something, First of all, it would sound like it literally came with the future because it did. But I think there would be a better market for it because I think there was a weird kind of window that like more electronic yeah. stuff was like allowed into the yeah. mainstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I could see where labels being kind of baffled by it. But but be just like, huh? All right, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, you you you've taken the plunge. You're 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 doing the thing. Do you have your uh, your postage printer ready? Do you have like your your mailers? Do you have like? <laughs> <laughs> I had, you know what? I bought mailers and I didn't buy enough. I got. I'm really happy with the pre-orders so far. It's way more than I expected. So I need to go buy more mailers. And actually, I got to do that this week because the record comes out on Friday. So yeah, it's it's. You, <laughs> I got I to I get my sharpie out and start like addressing envelopes. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It, it's the best drudgery you'll you'll never love. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it gets the job done. <laughs> it's a good. It's a good way to. Uh, good thing to do while I'm sifting through this box of used records that I recently acquired. Right, so, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good it's it, it you know it, it keeps you grounded too. It keeps you grounded yeah. for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's I'm, I'm, there's I'm, a, I'm, oh good. Oh, I was just gonna say I'm I'm uh, uh, yeah keeping maintaining my humility. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to float off on an, on an ego trip when you're when you've got that much. Uh, stuff uh, you know nailing you down into the gnostic world yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the uh so so folks should so what's the preferred way for people to buy this if, if they're looking to check this record out um should they go to there's i know there's a i think you got an instagram for it right is there like a there's a band camp pay i would say band camp, band camp is probably the best bet because um i mean i i only had 500 printed um and i definitely want to get get those sold and out of my house <laughs> so i would it'd be great if people yeah stole my cds i don't know if they do if they don't i'm in trouble but uh um you know uh um i think Bandcamp. there's a sperm church Bandcamp page and and you can get it digitally or or the cd and you know um i'm gonna personally mail it myself and um yeah so that's important to remember that like and again i think that this i think there's a lip service paid to this quite a bit but you know part of the avenues of communication that we're allowed for this direct distribution uh you know it's a lot of freedom but it also is you know you're not just benefiting a record label to, to do this to put out more cool stuff this is like a direct this this is all middlemen removed so don't just stream it on the spotify or whatever you know like yeah yeah <laughs> yeah which i haven't even done any di- digital distro yet which i'm gonna do but um so i don't even you can't even hear it anywhere else right yeah, now but they, they, uh, they can hear it for free later that's okay make them pay for it now <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's spermchurch.bandcamp.com by the way which i don't you know yeah. savvy listeners will know uh and also i i, I we should mention s-a-n-n-e-t-y for sanity like if you're looking yeah because if you just yeah. look at the other thing you're not you're you know you're just gonna find the concept yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend her website. There's all kinds of really cool stuff on there. So, um, yeah, uh, it's an interesting record, man. I'm 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 glad to to talk to you about it. I'm glad to have you on. And so, right on, man. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to it and to think about it. You know, so that's all I can ask. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's impressive that 
you, you know, you you did the stuff with with Buzz. You know, I think that Tomahawk record that came out is fantastic. Like you're just oh, cool, cool. You're, you're you're a busy bee, and that's coming from me. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, last thing, I can't remember if we did this last time, and honestly, it doesn't matter because the answers change. But only can question I ever ask, which is just answer it however you like. Why do you do what you do? <laughs> uh, why do I do what I do? I don't know if you asked me this before. Um, Maybe I couldn't get a word in edgewise because Buzz was talking. Yeah, that's <laughs> highly likely. Um, uh, I'll, I'll love. I, I think. Um, yeah, that's a really it's a hard question to answer. I mean, you know, um, I because I love it because I you know I you know it's funny there was a something we were talking about earlier earlier and made me think like if I you know if a zombie apocalypse comes and like, you know, there's, and there's no way to ever put out music or play shows live ever again, I'm still going to sit here and write music. I'm still going to like listen to records. And as long as I can like fend off the zombies from my window, I'm going to have to buy a gun. That that was what this gesture was. <laughs> I don't own one, but I guess I should buy one. Um, but you know, as long as I can like blow their heads off before they get to me, I'm just going to sit here and do this because that's what I like doing, you know, and, and, um, um, always have, you know, so, uh, um, I'd probably go insane if I couldn't do it. <laughs> so it's for my speaking of sanity. It's for my sanity. <laughs> Trevor Dutton. Thank you so much, man. It's been such a pleasure talking to you, man. You bet, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Take it easy. Ah, there he goes. Trevor Dunn. Trevor Dunn of, uh, you know, Mr. Bungle, Phantomus, Trio Convulsant, didn't talk about that. Mad Love, didn't talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Tomahawk now. And, of course, Sperm Church. Spermchurch.bandcamp.com for that. Uh, let's hear a Sperm Church song, and then we'll um, hear something else. Uh, that was great. Hope you guys enjoyed that.
Predators and Scavengers, Tomahawk, that off of uh, Tonic Mobility that came out this year. Uh, yet another Phantomas with Rosemary's Baby off the director's cut, and before that, Book One, Page Fifteen mm-hmm. off of the first self-titled record. Before that, the mighty Retro Virgo, California Mr. Bungle. We talked about that at length, so had to include that one. Great song. Before that, Sperm Church. Spermchurch.bandcamp.com. The new banger. Get that record uh, direct from the artist, direct from Trevor himself. Make him buy more mailers. (laughs) Spermchurch.bandcamp.com once again. This has been episode 267 of Conan Neutron's Protonic Reversal. Thank you very much for listening to it. The show airs on Radio Nope. Thursdays, 8 Eastern, 7 Central, 6 Mountain, 5 Pacific. Say yes to no. RadioNope.com. As we come to the close of our broadcast day. Archives are free, always. RotonicReversal.com. No ads, no sponsors. No kidding. This is my farewell transmission. But if you like the show and you want to get episodes sooner, Patreon.com slash ProtonicReversal achieves that goal. Early access. Signing off. Helps pay the bills. Not to put too fine a point on it. This is America. All the ships at sea. That's always nice. Anyone within the sound of my voice. You can find all things Trevor Dunn on the internet where we all live. Uh, thanks for folks I've sharing the show around. Uh, it helps people find it. Like and subscribe on the YouTube. Watts of if you don't already, that also helps. Reviews, all that kind of stuff. It all seems like just tedious nonsense, but that's how people find out about the shows. So thank you so much for everyone that's doing that. It's always appreciated. And thank you for listening. I appreciate that as well. This microphone turns sound into electricity. As always, stay safe out there. Can you hear me now? And take it easy. Route 128. Dark and lonely. I got my radio on. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? to my top 10.
like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. Can you hear? 